Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Amen. It's good to be here. What a privilege to be here with people. Even greater privilege to uh, have the honor of filling in for my pastor, uh, Pastor Warner, many of you are asking how he's doing, and he's, uh, he's recovering, he's resting, and so we appreciate all the prayers uh, of everyone who has been praying for him, and uh, please continue to pray for him. He'll be, Pastor Warner's a fighter. If anyone knows Pastor Warner, he'll be, uh, be fighting his way back as quickly as possible. He'll probably be back way too soon, and so, uh, but that's Pastor Warner, so we thank God uh, for him. Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and, uh, and, and we're also going to uh, hold 1 Samuel 18, if you can. So hold 1 Samuel 18, and then uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Our lifestyle choices and decisions that we make will be determined by our thought life. One of the most important truths is that our minds are not machines. They are not hardwired from birth. This can be very liberating depending on where your mind might be right now. That you are able to adjust and make changes in your thought life that will produce changes in your actions, in your choices. But whatever you choose to set your mind on, whatever you fix your thoughts on, is going to determine the trajectory of your life. A mindset is an accumulation of similar thoughts. So when you allow yourself to think similar thoughts, they accumulate over time creating a mindset. A mindset is defined as the established set of attitudes held by someone, a fixed mental attitude or disposition that predetermines a person's responses and interpretations of situations. So our mindsets become the lens that we begin to view life. When the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, there's all kinds of problems that they're facing. He's addressing them, whether it's in the first letter or the second letter. Uh, there are people that are uh, uh, creating division by who they follow. They're uh, causing problems. They're asking uh, strange questions. And when it all comes down to it, uh, in our text, he uh, is working them through what he is really revealing is a bad mindset. That the, it's your mindset that is creating all these problems inside the church. And he refers to these mindsets as strongholds. He's referring specifically 
to something that is happening inside of the mind. A stronghold is defined as a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. A lot of people think about the weapons of our warfare and they begin to think about things as if we're dealing with things out there. They were uh, dealing with strongholds out there and many times the real strongholds take place inside of our minds. This is where the spiritual battles that we are facing take place uh, in the strongholds of our minds. And everything the Apostle Paul refers to here in our first text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, has to do with the mind, and it takes place in and through the mind. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. So what we see is that thoughts, whether good or bad, accumulate to form a mindset or a stronghold in the mind. It can be a good stronghold or it can be a bad stronghold. It's a fortified place. And through that, we begin to view life. And what I want to delve into this morning is a specific mindset that can be very destructive to your soul. And that is the conspiracy mindset. The internet has given every whack job a platform for his psychotic voice to be heard. YouTube has an endless supply of conspiracy theories. And social media will make sure that they get perpetuated. Make sure that they find their way to you. And I'm not going to talk to you this morning about whether or not the earth is flat. I'm not going to debate with you whether 5G is what causes coronavirus. We're not even going to talk about if Elvis is dead. I was just in Las Vegas. He is alive and well on every corner. Hiding in plain sight. But I want to speak to you from a biblical perspective about the danger of allowing this mindset to develop and what happens to your mind and trajectory of life when you entertain this vein of thought. Let's begin by looking at the unending conspiracies. And I do want to start by saying that there are, in fact, many conspiracies at work in the earth today. That is a fact. There are a lot of conspiracies that are at work. A conspiracy is defined as a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful, the action of plotting or conspiring. There are secret plans set in motion to do harmful things. Fact. I'm not here to deny this, but what I want to do is I want to speak to the danger of entertaining these things, of setting your mind on them, the danger that's posed to our lives when we dwell on such things. When you allow an accumulation of conspiracy thoughts, it develops a conspiracy mindset, and then that mindset begins to inform all of your thinking. 
That's how you begin to view life. That everything in life becomes a conspiracy. Someone who has a conspiracy mindset always thinks there's a plot against them. Everything that happens to them begins to be processed through this mindset. Someone is plotting against them or holding something back from them. Somebody is blocking them from something special. This can manifest in our lives a number of different ways. It could be at work, some big plan to keep you from promotion. Never mind, you never really show up to work on time. Not an issue. There's a conspiracy against me getting a promotion. Most teenagers tend to think that their parents are conspiring against them having fun in life. It could manifest in church. Feelings that leadership just doesn't want me to excel. It can happen in the reverse. It can affect relationships between pastors and disciples and pastors and other pastors. Sometimes our past experiences and troubles feed into this conspiracy mindset. You have been hurt before. You want to make sure that it won't happen again. So you try to get out in front of it with your mind. And the devil finds an open door to work. You try to get ahead of the enemy, so to speak. Sometimes a conspiracy mindset has been put into you since you were a child. Parents always engaging in this mindset. It permeates your world. Every conversation you can remember, the dinner table, it's always conspiracy this, there's a conspiracy here and over there. And you can't process life without seeing conspiracies everywhere. Sometimes it's just pride. You want to know something that no one else knows. You want to be the authority on any given topic. You want to be able to say, I told you so. You want to be able to say, I knew that this was going to happen. Like you're some sort of intuition prophet. I had a feeling about this. I, I saw this coming. You know, the first conspiracy we see in the word of God was introduced by the devil himself. The devil, more cunning than any beast of the field, engages Eve in a conversation. Has God really said? She responds, you shall not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. And the serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He introduces a conspiracy thought into the mind of Eve. And he began to seed the idea that there was a cosmic conspiracy working against her. God is not looking out for you. He doesn't care for you. God is keeping something from you. He doesn't want you to be like him. And Eve embraces this conspiracy thought and begins to filter everything through that. I want you to notice the very next verse. After the devil puts this thought out there, the Bible says in verse 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Once she embraced this conspiracy, it changed the way she saw things. She was now seeing the tree differently. She noticed things that she never noticed before. That's what a conspiracy does. It makes you view familiar things in a different way. 
Something you've seen a hundred times. A person you've talked to a thousand times. All of a sudden, it shifts how you see them. How you hear them. We see the same conspiracy mindset manifesting through the children of Israel. God does a tremendous miracle by delivering them from slavery. And as soon as they get out into the wilderness and they begin to experience hardship, it's a conspiracy. They said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? And I want you to notice that conspiracy mindsets are embraced in the most difficult times. Times when you're facing hardship. Times when you're facing resistance in your life. The children of Israel are hungry. They're looking around for food to eat. They're not seeing the possibilities. And the Bible says, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the plots of meat and when we ate bread to the full for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And they got thirsty. There was no water. Why is it you brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? You see, the children of Israel never fully, were never fully able to appreciate what God had done for them because they embraced this mindset. They lost sight of the incredible blessings and the incredible miracles, and they were all hidden behind a cloud of conspiracy. It was there. God was blessing them. God was providing for them, but they couldn't see it. It was hidden behind their cloud of conspiracy. Let's talk about the destruction of a conspiracy mindset and turn to 1 Samuel 18, our, our second text, because it's amazing how quickly life can unravel when a conspiracy mindset is embraced. And I think there's no life in the Word of God that illustrates this better than King Saul. He illustrates for us what a destructive force this mindset can bring to your life. We know that Israel had, dis, had rejected God as their king. And as a result, they wanted an earthly king like all the other nations. Uh, and God tells Samuel, I want you to go and anoint Saul as king. Uh, and when he goes to anoint Saul as king, it's interesting uh, because we find him hiding. And you begin to have some insights, some hints uh, about this man's insecurities. I will tell you that the conspiracy mindset will easily take root in the insecure mind. This mindset is like a magnet to our insecurities. And so 1 Samuel 10, the Bible says God fills him with the spirit, Saul with the spirit, makes him into another man, gives him another heart. And the first mission that God gives him is instructions to go and destroy the Amalekites. He says, I want you to completely wipe them off the face of the earth. The problem is that Saul had a better idea. He decided he was going to spare the king. Maybe he thought, you know, if, if they were coming to wipe me out, I'd hope they would spare me, so I'll spare him. Maybe he had something good in mind. And, uh, you know, why would we kill these great sheep? There's wonderful, healthy sheep. Uh, we could just use them. I know God said, uh, but as a result, uh, uh, we're going to keep the sheep and the oxen and the lambs, anything else that I perceive to be good. And this set him on the path of disobedience and rebellion. And now we find him fighting against God's word and against God's will. So God confronts him through Samuel. 
Saul denies it. Uh, uh, no, I didn't, kill, I didn't save anything. I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, and then uh, when he realizes there's no way to hide the sheep and the king that I spared, so he gets caught up in this lie, and he realizes that. So then he begins to blame the people. It's the people. They told me to do this. Uh, they cried out for it. I was going to do exactly what God said, but the people... So Samuel said to him, the Lord, listen, who does this? The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. The Lord. Who tore the kingdom from Saul? The Lord did. Nobody else. It was the Lord who did it. And it was very clear from the mouth of Samuel that it is the Lord who is tearing the kingdom from you and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. So God takes the kingdom from him because of his disobedience and rebellion. But then Saul tries to hold on to something uh, that God has taken away. And in trying to hold on to that, he becomes very desperate. You can fast forward and you see the Israelites fighting the Philistines. David comes down, he kills Goliath, they're on their way. uh, And watch what happens because adversity has now opened the door to conspiracy. 1 Samuel 18, uh, so the women sang as they danced. And they said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? And so Saul eyed David from that day forward. Notice, David did not take the kingdom from Saul. David didn't even ask for the kingdom. But Saul, because of his conspiracy mindset, uh, began to look at this man as the problem. He's the one trying to take my kingdom. Never mind, God made it very clear that it was the Lord who took it. Never mind, he knows very well it's his own rebellion uh, that has lost him uh, the kingdom. Conspiracies are a convenient way to diminish our own responsibility. Sometimes we construct a conspiracy to defend against the truth of our situation. The next day, the next day, after he embraced a conspiracy mindset against David, the Bible says, so David played music with his hand, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I'll pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. David is here to minister to Saul. He's here to bless him. The Bible says that when the distressing spirit would come upon Saul, David would come and play. The music would would calm Saul's spirit. And so here's David here to bless him, here to minister to him. And all Saul can do because of his conspiracy mindset, I've got to kill this one. This one who's trying to minister to me. This one who's trying to bless my life. A conspiracy mindset will turn you against the very ones you love. It's fascinating when you see how Saul viewed David before he embraced this mindset. In 1 Samuel 16, 21, So David came to Saul and stood before him, and Saul loved him greatly. How does a man go from loving him greatly to trying to kill him? The same man. Conspiracy mindset. 
He not only turned on David, but he eventually turned on his own son, Jonathan. When you fast forward to chapter 20, I have to read it to you because it's so unbelievable what actually happens. I don't want to paraphrase it, and you miss the word of God here. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse, David, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? So here he's lashing out at his own son, and now he's going to tell us why. He says, for as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. In other words, I'm trying to protect you, Jonathan. I'm doing this for you, Jonathan. I'm going to, he has to die, but it's about your legacy, Jonathan. It's about your inheritance, Jonathan. And then Jonathan trying to reason with his father, but you can't reason with a conspiracy mindset. Many of you have tried before. You go in circles, in circles. You can't reason with this kind of mindset. And and he, he answered Saul, his father, and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? Like, give me some proof. Give me some evidence. Just show me something, Dad. Maybe I could get behind you, but just show me something, please. And then the Bible says, Saul cast a spear at Jonathan to kill him. This is insane. With his speech, he indicates that he is trying to help his son. He just said, I'm doing this for you, son, for your legacy. What good is his legacy if you kill the guy? His speech is not matching his actions. Because all his speech is doing is trying to justify his mindset. He's trying to justify why he's thinking so harshly against, and when he can't, when you try to reason to it, I'm going to kill you too. He's unraveling. He's becoming irrational. Another interesting thing that happens when you embrace a conspiracy mindset is you begin to create and operate your own conspiracies. Watch what happens to Saul. Now that he's embraced a conspiracy mindset, he begins setting his own conspiracy in motion. He's trying to get rid of David, right? So he offers his own daughter to him if he'll fight the Philistines. So Saul said to David, here's my older daughter Merib. I'll give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. He's now creating a conspiracy against David. First the conspiracy was against him, and now he can't help but engaging his own and creating his own conspiracy. This conspiracy doesn't work, so he starts another one along the same lines. He finds out that his other daughter likes David, so he comes up with another plot, but you have to listen to his own words. Thus you shall say to David, the king does not desire any dowry, but 104 skins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies, but Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. In his mind, I'll get him killed in battle. There's no way he could survive this. And he's sacrificing his own daughters best warrior on the altar of his conspiracy. David goes out. He gets 204 skins of the Philistines, doubling the demand. 
The Bible says Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Then Saul spends the rest of his life, all of his resources, chasing after David to kill him. Failing to realize that David is not his real enemy. He's his own enemy. The climax of this destructive force of King Saul's conspiracy mindset is in 1 Samuel 22. As David's on the run from Saul, he comes to a city named Nob. He meets Ahimelech, who's a priest. He spins this story to him that he's on a secret mission from the king. He's asking for some bread and a sword. He gives him holy bread. He gives him the, some <laughs> holy bread. Sounds like holy water. <laughs> so bless you, son. Go. Gives him uh, the, the, the holy bread <laughs> and the sword of Goliath. And David takes off uh, on the run again. And he's hiding in a cave where the men are gathering to him. And so what happens is Saul hears that David has uh, been discovered. And so he gathers all his men to himself. Uh, he gives them this long pity party speech about how they all conspired against him. Uh, and then he gets an info out of him that Ahimelech the priest was involved in helping. And so Saul comes to Ahimelech to confront spiritual leadership. He comes to the priest and he finds out and he says to him, why have you conspired against me. Look, he's seeing conspiracies everywhere. There's not a person in his life that is not conspiring against him now. Whether it's the men that have stuck by his side, his son, David, now the priest, now you can, everything is a conspiracy. Everyone has something against me, they're out to get me. And you and the son of Jesse, and that you've given him bread and a sword, and in inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Uh-oh. You just said the wrong thing to the wrong man. Because <laughs> you think you can reason with a conspiracy mindset. But you can't. Who is the king's son-in-law who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of this, little or much. He's trying to plead his case. He's like, hey, as far as I knew, he's your right-hand man. He's your son-in-law. He does everything you ask him to do. He's honorable. I've never heard a bad word about him. All I did was just, I, I thought you'd like it. I thought you'd appreciate me taking care of one of your best men. Pleading his case. And then Saul, in a rage, commands his servants to put the priest to death. They're, they're, the servants are like, dude, you're out of your mind. <laughs> like, everybody can see the conspiracy mindset except for Saul. And, and all the men around him are like, I'm not touching him. I'm not, I'm not going there, dude. Your mind is jacked up. You're not thinking straight, Saul. You don't want to kill this guy. This is a man of God. You don't want to set your hand to him. What is wrong with you? They refuse. And the king said to Doeg, there's always a Doeg. You turn and kill the priests. There's, all, there's always that man that just wants to please even a conspiring king. Just, just I'll be your sword for you. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priests. 
killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkey and sheep with the edge of the sword. Think about this. He's willing to utterly destroy the town of Nob as vengeance for himself, but yet he would not destroy the Amalekites as vengeance for God. He's willing to do for himself what he would not do for God. And now we come full circle with the conspiracy mindset. Under the spell of a conspiracy mindset, Saul destroys this innocent city. He attacks the spiritual leadership that is trying to protect him. And the conspiracy mindset will cause you to turn on everyone that you love, everyone that loves you, and it'll kill everything in your life. Let's talk about confronting the conspiracy mindset as I close. Once you recognize this mindset working in your life, you need to take responsibility. You need to take responsibility. It is only something that you can do. Nobody else can do this for you. Rather than searching our hearts, we spend time looking for others to blame. Rather than trying to fall on our face before God and saying, God, everybody around me thinks I'm insane. Maybe I'm actually insane. Would you help me, Lord? Would you have mercy on my horrible, wicked soul? No, we don't do that. We're shifting blame, but the opposite has to happen. Once you recognize that this mindset has developed in your life, it's the one thing that Saul refused to do. Admit his own rebellion was the problem. All he had to do was repeat the very words of God himself. Samuel said, God said through Samuel, the Lord has torn the kingdom from you. All he had to do was say, Lord, you tore it from me and rightfully so. He could not take responsibility. The second thing you have to do is you have to avoid the conspiracy-minded people of your life. Saul evidently had these people speaking into his life. Because after David spared his life in 1 Samuel 24, David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. He's pleading with him, but he knows something. People are speaking this into his life. They're continuing the voice of conspiracy. He's not silencing that voice. It's being continued. Listen, Eve got seduced by the words of a conspiracy monger. And she turned against God. You have to eliminate the voice of the conspiracy mindset, wherever it may be coming from. Some people in your life might be messing up your mind. They only want to talk about one thing. The whole world is against them. 
Everything's a conspiracy. And you pick up the phone and you talk to them. And all they're doing is spouting conspiracies. I'm not going to believe that, but you don't say anything about it because that's your friend. You don't silence them and say, listen, man, something has attacked your mind. You're not speaking like a sane person. It's impossible the whole world is against you. The whole world doesn't even know you exist. Like me. I came up, they didn't even know that I was the guy to put the mic on. I was like a... Can I have a microphone? They were like calling security, man. The guy over here was like, is this the guy or not? Can we get an ID check? Nobody knows you exist, man. Like, there's no way the whole world is conspiring against you. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of time warning his disciples of such men. Listen, there's a lot of these men on YouTube. Sometimes you might just have to cut it off. Like, honestly, like, just... Just, if, if you are a conspiracy-minded person, you've got to cut off the voices. It could be people in your life. It could be that you're just, and you're just like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm just finding out about how the world's flat and everything. It's nothing, it's, it's, it's not, it's not really going to hurt anything, you know? I mean, I just, I'm just studying the rotation of the flat earth, and I'm just, you know, the, the flight patterns, and I'm, it's, I'm not, it, this will never affect me any other way. It, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's like my little pet project, you know, I'm just doing, re- no, 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 you're, you're thinking conspiracy thoughts that are going to accumulate and fa- form a conspiracy mindset, and then all of a sudden, what was a flat earth becomes a flat relationship, becomes this person is against me, that person is against me. Paul told Timothy, shun profane and idle babblings, for they'll increase to more ungodliness. If you listen to this stuff, it'll increase the ungodliness in your own life. And then he goes on, and he says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Foolish and ignorant disputes. When you latch on to conspiracy, you never think it's foolish or ignorant. But it always is. Everybody's like, that's dumb, dude. And you're like, no, it's not, man. It's serious. It's it's real, man. I saw it with my own eyes. It had like a chart and everything, man. It had like six words on it. It's a big chart. You know what it really comes down to when we're talking about kingdom? It comes down to an issue of trust. Do you trust God with your life? Do you trust God with your life? You know, Joseph had a lifetime of conspiracies against his life. His own brothers, they were real, man. They conspired against him. It was a fact. (laughs) This is what can make it difficult because of that reality that there are conspiracies in motion. There are people that are going to try to work against you. There are people that are going to try to unseat you or move you or undermine you. That's a fact. That's going to happen. And that's what makes this difficult. Joseph was able to keep things in proper perspective, which allowed him to keep his heart right. He says in Genesis 50, 20, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. 
you had a conspiracy against me, but my God is so big that he turned the conspiracy around to save you. You were trying to kill me, and he used your conspiracy to save you. That's the God we serve. The God we serve has the ability to turn it all around, to move mountains, to take the same thing that was meant to destroy you and bring it back to bless you. God is in control. And he will make it all turn out for his glory. Do you believe that? Do you trust him? Because if you trust him, then conspiracies are a waste of your time. You have to choose to dismantle a mindset that you have allowed to be established. You know how the mindset takes place is it's an accumulation of similar thoughts. You have to dismantle that same accumulation. You have to start to rip up those thoughts out of your mind. You have to unroot them. You have to cut them off. Go down to the root. What is my problem? Is my problem that I'm an insecure person? So I think everyone's against me. Is my problem that I'm so full of pride? What is my problem? What's at the root that's giving birth to that conspiracy mindset in my life? What is it? And get down and you have to deal with it. The Apostle Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Comes back to Pastor Lamb's sermon. The truth. Hold on to the truth. Everything else can be let go. Hold on to it. Stop letting it go. God has given us weapons to defeat these strongholds, these mindsets. You may not even be dealing with a conspiracy mindset, but maybe another mindset that is blocking you, that God would reveal to you this morning that you've allowed an accumulation of thoughts to form that mindset. God has given you weapons, but those weapons take place in your mind. You have to deal with the arguments. You have to deal with anything that comes to your mind against the knowledge of God. You have to bring thoughts into captivity. You have to say, I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to allow my mind to dwell on that. You can't always choose how or when thoughts arise in your mind, but you can choose whether to accept them or reject them, whether to entertain them or to throw them out. We can uh, consider and evaluate and choose what we think about and how our, acts, our actions will begin to follow those thoughts. You can choose what you're going to set your mind up. You can take it and you can say, let me hold this to the light of God's word. And let me see if this holds any weight. Let me just see what this thought is right here. And let me submit it to this thought right here, which is the ultimate thought. Let me take these thoughts that are random and all over the place. Let me just submit it to the word. Let me just hold it up to the light of the word and compare it. Nope, that doesn't have any bearing. Nope, that's irrelevant. Nope, that's a waste of my time. Stop wasting precious brain power on things out of our control. Spend your time contemplating the truth that is in God's word. So many of us, if we just spent the amount of time studying this, that we do studying a conspiracy theory, can you imagine... 
what God could do with your life? You have to learn to focus on what God has revealed, not what he has concealed. I don't know much about the Nephilim. I, I don't know. The Bible uses the word, and then it's like, cool. But man, people spend time. God concealed it for a reason. It's obviously not that important. Otherwise, he would have just said, and the Nephilim, blah, 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 and then we would know. He concealed it. Why would I focus my energy on that? I have a hard enough time doing what the word actually says. Like, this will keep me busy my whole life, and then through eternity. Be like, what? You have to remember that the real instigator of every conspiracy is the devil. You have to remember that. You can't allow him to divert your attention to one another, to your pastor, to leader, this or that, loved ones. His desire, the devil's desire is always to bring division. And this is a great way he brings division. Just introduces this and it divides. It does all the work itself because we just, we just latch onto these things. You and I have to decide that our lives are in the hands of a very capable God. And that everything we need to know is right here. We could spend our lives right here. And we have to decide to rest in the peace of God and his promises. As Paul told the church at Colossae, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Everything else, not going to rule. Not going to let it take my mind. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. We're going to take some time to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We appreciate all of you that are here this morning, those of you watching online, many of you that couldn't make it. We definitely miss you. We're glad that you are joining us online. And we want to take a couple of minutes before we pray about these three different sermons that God spoke to us this morning. Before we take some time, I wonder if there's anybody here this morning, maybe you've come, friend invited you, hey, come and see this Bible conference. Maybe you're watching online, you just kind of happened to see something trending and decided to, to snoop in for a minute, but it's not an accident, I'll tell you something. God has your number. God wants to do something in your life. And while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, you might be here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never surrendered to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you would say, Pastor, this morning I want to get my heart right with God. I'm tired of living in sin. I'm tired of living in rebellion against God. If that's you all across this place, would you lift up your hand where I could see it all across this place? You say, Pastor, I need your prayer this morning. I'm not right with God front to back, left to right, anybody at all, you'd lift up your hand. Maybe you're watching online. You say, I'm not right with God, but I want to get right with God. Lift your hand and signify that to God. You might be all by yourself, but lift up your hand to God and say, God, that's me. I'm not right, but I want to get right this morning. We want to take some time to pray for you. Maybe you're backslidden and you've come here this morning. You're watching online. You want to experience that relationship with God that you had before, you walked away from him. Who knows what derailed you, but this morning you'd say, I want to come back to God. If you're back, so then lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, I want to get it right this morning. Anybody at all? If you lifted your hand and I didn't see you lift your hand, would you come out of your seat and make your way down here to the front? There's going to be somebody that will come and 
pray with you. If you're watching online, you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to bow your head with me for just a minute and say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you resurrected on the third day. And I give you my life today in Jesus' name. Amen. And for the rest of us this morning, three messages, Pastor Lamb began to talk about the truth of God's word. Maybe you've allowed it to slip in your life. You're not holding to it. There's pastors here. Others, you're afraid to say things at work. He talked about how far will you go for the truth. There's others, as Pastor Ajala ministered, and the ravens are coming. There's been questions in your mind of what's going on and, 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 and you've just been running to your own place instead of the place God wants you to be. There's other pastors here this morning. You're contemplating going, but you're concerned about what's going to happen when you get there. Will you be sustained? And the Spirit of God has spoken to you this morning and said, Son, I will have the ravens there for you. God is giving you confidence to go forth this morning. Maybe you've embraced a conspiracy mindset. Maybe you haven't gone as far as Saul, but you just started entertaining a couple things here and there. You know it was a long year. People had too much time on their hands. I understand. You get lost in certain things, but the Spirit of God's arresting you this morning and saying, no more, no more, no more. I'm cutting it off. These altars are open this morning. Let's come and find a place to pray in the presence of God. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you for your grace, Lord God, we thank you. Lord, we come humbly before you this morning. We are a desperate and a needy people, God. Thank you for your truth, God. We thank you for the truth of your word. God, we glorify you this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, for you are exalted above all else, Lord. God, you've spoken to your people this morning, God. I'm asking you to touch their hearts and minds, God. God, I pray you would bring a spirit of deliverance in this place. Uh, God, for those that are bound in the lies of this world, uh, in conspiracies. Uh, God, I pray against fear and anxiety. God, for those that would go, that would step out in faith. Uh, we thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.